Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the first Sunday in a series that highlights Jesus' ministry to us and then ultimately through us. That's the first thing that needs to be said concerning this ministry clarity, that it is rooted in what Christ Jesus has done for us and what he does through us. So for the next four weeks, we will, in sermon and in study, examine more closely, or rather more specifically, Christ's work in and through us. I hope, brothers and sisters in Christ, that many of you remember our guiding statement, and if you do, feel free to say it with me, proclaiming and practicing God's love with conviction and courage in our households, our congregation, and beyond. Now, the important thing to remember about this guiding statement is, one, it is rooted and grounded in the Scriptures, and at the heart of it all is God's love for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Two, that this statement, grounded in God's Word, is what we will be using to guide us as we carry out the ministry that Christ has called us to in this place. So this week and the four following after, we'll focus more specifically on these ministry pillars that support the statement. Here's what I mean by that. If we, the people of Faith Lutheran Church, are people who are, uh, who are proclaiming and practicing God's love with conviction and courage in our um, households, our congregation, and beyond, well, then we need some, some pillars that support this. And so we have worship, education, Fellowship, evangelism, and service as those five pillars. The pillars undergird the statement. They're foundational to how we live out our Christian vocations together in this place. And so it's important for us that we, uh, in, in this time, consider these pillars and hear God's word concerning them. And so let God's word and his spirit shape, form, and direct us in Christ's ministry in and through us. With that said, we're going to focus on our first pillar today, and that's worship. And so let's have our hearts and our minds directed once again back to God's Word, to the Gospel reading according to to St. Mark. If you were with us last week, you, you uh, you heard about the big dog. You remember that? The big dog. Jesus was approached by a Syrophoenician woman whose, whose daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit, or as a demon, as other translations say it. She had heard about what Jesus had done for others, and in faith, she came to, to Jesus so that he would do the same for her and her daughter. And you remember that really kind of strange exchange between her and Jesus, Jesus saying to her, Let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Well, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home. She found their child lying in bed and the demon gone. That's it. It's just a, a short and sweet account of a Gentile woman hearing about Jesus and in faith asking to receive 
what she knows that she's not really deserving of. Now compare that with what we just read in chapter 9 of Mark's Gospel. We have Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They're coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration, and they meet up with the other nine disciples. As they're doing so, they're coming to this, this scene of confusion and frustration and anger. And with those nine disciples are scribes, right, the religious leaders, and, and, and a man, presumably Jewish, for he's talking to the disciples and the scribes, and while well, the scribes wouldn't want to be unclean, this man was seeking Jesus. Why was he seeking Jesus? Well, it was for the same reason that the Syrophoenician woman was. His son was possessed by an unclean spirit. The father had heard what Jesus had done, and in faith he sought out Jesus to do for him and for his son what Jesus had done for others. Only in this instance, Jesus wasn't there. Jesus was on the mountain being transfigured before Peter, James, and John. And so this father, desperate for the care of his son, asked the nine to do for him what Jesus had done, and they could not. Why they couldn't will come to shortly, but for now, let's focus entirely on Jesus. The desperate father calls out to Jesus when he's there on the scene, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything, well, how does that statement compare to the statement of the Syrophoenician woman? Interesting, isn't it? It's said in faith, but it just doesn't sound as confident. Jesus looks at this man and says, well, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father cries out and says, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus acts in compassion on that father and the child and the unclean spirit or the demon departs. So here we have these two, two accounts of people who are coming to Jesus. Last week it was a Gentile woman, a mother. Uh, that means that this, this Gentile woman... Uh, she would not have participated in things like, well, Sabbath synagogue opportunities that were weekly there to hear God's word, nor would she have had the opportunity to participate in the, the annual festivals of the temple. Now, these were reserved for God's people. The Passover in particular, the annual remembrance meal where the people of God were brought into the reality of the Exodus, that was something that she maybe have heard about, but that was it. She would not have had the, the weekly or yearly habit of worshiping the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because, well, she wasn't a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. She was outside of the worship of God's people. And then today, today a Jewish man comes to Jesus. And look, here is a guy who has heard the scriptures from his youth, who has participated in weekly Sabbath synagogue opportunities, and he would have been at the major festivals in the temple. This man was squarely in the worship of God's people because, well, he was a descendant of God. 
God's people. So what do we make of this? First thing I think we need to say is that Jesus is the object of their faith. Both for the Gentile mother and for the Jewish father, Jesus is the one that they sought out. They both believed that Jesus was the only help for their children. Jesus is the object of their faith. And second is this. In order for Jesus to be the object of their faith, they first have to hear about Jesus. This is why St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they believe in him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear? Without someone preaching or proclaiming the good news of Christ Jesus to them. And third, notice that Jesus doesn't act based on how much faith either parent has. His actions increase their faith. Well, let me say that again. Jesus doesn't act based on how much faith a person has. His actions increase their faith. Look at the text again. The Gentile mother hears and believes Jesus has and can heal her daughter. The Holy Spirit brings her to that place where she is confident to ask Jesus for help. And that's exactly what she receives. And the Jewish father, he hears and he believes that Jesus can help his son. The same Holy Spirit is active in bringing him to request help from Jesus. And look, he too receives But here's the distinction that we find in Mark's gospel. It's that Jesus marvels at the faith that's displayed in the various encounters of the Gentiles, those who who haven't heard before. They don't have the history of synagogue worship or the temples. And Jesus is, is lamenting at the smallness of the faith that is displayed in the various encounters of the Jews, including even his disciples. Oh, you of little faith, he would say to them repeatedly. I think, brothers and sisters in Christ, this might be something similar to what you and I have witnessed. Right? There may be those times in our lives where, where we meet a person who has, who has just heard the good news of Jesus for the first time, and, and you get a sense of, of excitement and, and wonder and joy that just kind of exudes from them as if the light just went on for them. And then also there's those times where you meet someone who has grown up in the church and it seems as if the spark has left them if, as you wonder yourself if it was ever there to begin with. It seems like maybe they participate in the, ceremonial, the ceremony and the ritual just for the sake of maintaining status quo. Brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe you can identify with that too. Maybe you've been on one end of that spectrum. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. No matter where you are, I want you to hear that third point a third time. 
Jesus doesn't act based on how much faith you have. Rather, his actions increase your faith. For faith has its object in Jesus. Jesus comes for all. And if you believe, it's because of Jesus. If your faith is going to increase, it's because of Jesus. And that faith will be rooted all the more in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. It's because of Jesus that we gather in this place week after week. We hear his word. We believe that, that he has mercy and compassion on us, uh, uh, poor, miserable sinners, and that he does for us not according to what we have done or what we have left undone, but according to his mercy and his grace. Thanks be to God. We go through the liturgy and the ceremony of hearing God's word and speaking it back to him in response even if we know it from memory and we can say it in our sleep, we come here in faith to receive Christ himself in his word and in the sacraments. That's because from beginning to end, worship in this place is about Jesus. We might say like the Jewish man, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I come to you in faith, Jesus, Increase my faith in you. Let's come back to the end of this account from Mark 9. Remember that after the, remember that the Jewish father was coming and seeking Jesus, but he only find, found the nine disciples. They failed in, in helping this man, and they were ultimately powerless to do anything until Jesus himself showed up. And after the exorcism, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we do what you're doing, Lord? And he replied, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. That's kind of an interesting comment because there's no prayer of Jesus recorded prior to driving out the Spirit. Go ahead and look at the text. You won't find it in there. But what does it mean? Well, remember that after Jesus is crucified, died, and buried, raised, and ascended, he sends the Holy Spirit, and these men who, who followed him, they are now empowered and authorized to do the very works that Jesus himself had done. And that, of course, of course includes prayer. See, just because our text doesn't include the words of Jesus' prayer doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't in prayer for this father and son. In fact, in the scriptures, we learn that Jesus is in prayer for all, even now as the great high priest and he's interceding for all of his saints day and night. It's a dual encouragement for us, brothers and sisters in Christ. Especially as we are God's people who are proclaiming and practicing God's love with conviction and courage in our household, in our congregation, and beyond. We desire to gather in worship with the family of faith at the altar of Jesus. In fact, that's our first aspirational target. That every household of Faith Lutheran Church hears the proclamation of God's saving word on a weekly basis and receives his sacraments regularly. And to reach that target, we selected goals, a technology for live streaming, which some of you may be watching right now. 
an opportunity to revisit everyone his witness so that we may be better equipped to um, share the good news of Christ's love in our practicing and our proclaiming. But look, when it comes to any of the targets or any of the goals of Faith Lutheran Church, it has to be done in prayer. Prayer for those who are worshiping with us for the first time, that the spirit of joy and excitement would, uh, would remain and would encourage others. Prayer for those who have been longtime members, that their hope may be steadfast in the Lord. Prayer for those who may feel disconnected, that even through us, Jesus would minister to them in their times of need. We pray that we would come to the Lord in faith and ask him to increase I mean, not only our own individual faith, but that of this whole congregation. And we pray in faith, knowing that Christ himself is interceding for his church in this place and everywhere that the saints gather together in worship. We cry out, Lord, we believe. Increase our faith for the sake of our households, our congregation, and those beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.